to Talk FX, where we promise to keep the conversation honest and real for our Fragile X community. We are a group of moms of Fragile X children, self-advocates, and full mutation carriers from Washington, Idaho, and Oregon, all on a mission to share our stories and experiences in the hopes of reaching more Fragile X families and creating more awareness of Fragile X syndrome. So with that in mind, let's jump right in to this week's episode of Talk FX. Thanks for tuning in to Talk FX. I'm Nicole and I'm joined today with Michelle who will be co-hosting with me as we welcome the one and only Jane Dixon Weber to our Talk Fragile X podcast series, Fragile X Authors. Jane is the author of Transitioning Special Children into Elementary School, the editor for Children with Fragile X Syndrome, A Parent's Guide, and also co-authored Fragile X Fred on top of many other uh, projects of hers. She is also a mother to an adult son with Fragile X and a daughter. She has been a member of the National Fragile X Foundation since 2007. And we're so thrilled to have her with us today as she shares the amazing ways that she supports the Fragile X community and the books that she has helped create on Fragile X. Thanks so much for joining us, Jane. We're so thankful for your time. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's a real honor and a real pleasure for me to be here today to join you. So thank you. We're excited to hear what you have to tell us. I'm excited to tell you. <laughs> so why don't you start off and um, tell us about your, Ian um, a little bit and then um, what prompted you, what inspired you to write your books? So I've got two children, uh, Ian and um, my daughter, Cassie. So when Ian was diagnosed 30 years ago, a little over 30 years ago, the, there was no internet. So my husband and I went down to the library and we found one book with two pages about Fragile X Syndrome. Wow. And that was the only information that we had at our fingertips at the time. And so I remember thinking that how hard it was not to have any idea about what we were looking at or where we were headed that I wanted to do work. I wanted to dedicate my life to being able to provide information to families so that they never had to wonder about what this condition was or what they needed to do. And so I spent the next, um, well, I've spent my life trying to figure out this fragile X thing as many of us, us do. Um, we, he was, we started him in an inclusive preschool in the University of Colorado at Boulder, and I didn't even know what an inclus inclusive meant. I didn't know that it was uh, kids with disabilities, with typically developing kids. And so that, you know, that's where I started on my learning curve, was just trying to figure that out. When we were transitioning into kindergarten, we decided to transition Ian into our neighborhood school. And we realized that no one with that high of needs had ever gone to that school before. So I spent a lot of time talking with the faculty, with the other students in the class, and even some of the parents on the playground. And one of my mentors from the preschool said, you did some pretty unusual things. You should write those down. 
And so I wrote down some of the strategies that I used to transition Ian into kindergarten and a local publisher snapped it up. There had, you know, there was no information out there about any sort of edu you know, transition or kids with special needs at the time. And so they published that book. And not long after that, a publisher from the company Woodbine House contacted me because they wanted to do a book on Fragile X Syndrome. And the format of their books are each chapter is written by a different professional in the field. And so I was able to edit those books. And the idea, again, was to take information written by professionals and make it um, family friendly. So that was a wonderful opportunity. It was a great, it was a chance of a lifetime. I was very thankful for it. That's fantastic. Just the, the fact that you were such an advocate for Ian, um, somebody else picked up on that and it didn't exist then where we're, you know, totally fighting for that today, but you didn't have any of those supports back then. You created that. You like paved the road in a, in a way. In a way, in a way, because there was no information out there. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is the hardest thing I've ever done. And so, um, as we all, I think we all it go through that kind of experience too, when after our, our child is diagnosed, it's like, where do I start? I mean, it, it, you know, I see that I work for the foundation now. And even in that job, I talk with families who have newly diagnosed kids and they're like, I don't even know where to start. I've never, even now, I've never heard of it. And so I'm here to say, we've got resources for you where there's help for you. There's other parents, there's doctors. And so there's information for you that to at least to get you started. And the foundation you're re you're referencing the National Fragile X Foundation. Yes, FragileX.org. Um, okay. So you know, not long after I wrote the the Children with Fragile X Syndrome book, the foundation contacted me to work on, and it was so fun. They wanted they wanted information on adolescents and adults, and so you know, this is um, let's see, 1990. So Ian's about 15, between 15 and 20 years old at the time, and we're starting to develop information for adolescents and adults. And, and so that was eye-opening too, to see what kind of information that, so I was gradually taking those steps into the adult world, and I hadn't even entered it yet, but I was starting to see what was before me. And so again, trying to create resources for families as they headed, their, their child's headed into adulthood. And so, um, and it was right around that time that I started working for the foundation part-time and I work for them full-time now, but it was, um, that was kind of my, my foothold into the foundation was to creating materials for them, That's which I still do. I still do now. That's fantastic. The lifespan, you're, you're able to educate everyone on the lifespan now. Thank you, Ian. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I, I try to not only base my experience on what I've gone through with Ian, but I realize that there's a spectrum of, of disability and trying to keep that in mind in everything that I create, that not only is there a variety of ages, but abilities and sexes. And so in talking with families, I kind of use Ian as my springboard, but keeping in mind that there's a whole world and a whole uh, variety of information and people out there and they want it in different ways. Every state's different. 
sometimes yeah. even your community communities within a state are different and so it's a real it's been a real challenge but it's been really interesting to see how the systems work through a lifetime right it's quite a circuitry well i um i know that you have edited quite a few pieces as well as write your own um your, you authored your own books. Tell us a little bit about your next book that you did um, and how much time was in between. So after I started working at the foundation, when I finished the uh, adolescent and adult project, which it, it, was, it wasn't done by me, it was actually done by a team of people at the foundation, um, I was asked to give a keynote at one of the international conferences. And I, I really thought long and hard before I said yes. I wasn't sure that I had information that that you know that would be of value to other families. You know, it's kind of like who am I to say that the lessons I've learned are any different than the lessons that you've learned? But we, my my family, my husband and my daughter and I sat around many a night talking about the lessons that Ian has taught our family. And we realized there was a lot of humor to be had. And so that was really the focus of the keynote was to, I wanted, I wanted to have a little bit of serious that here's some of the lessons, but there's a lot of fun to be had, a lot of humor in, in our life. And so th and then that's, so it was called, you know, you're never too old to wear a pink tutu. Tutu, I remember and it. So, <laughs> well, and so, <laughs> and it's, it's just funny how that's just rung um, you know, so many families are like, have related to it so easily and, and in such a fun way that, um, that, that uh, I had, you know, I still had people talking about wearing pink tutus and this has been changed. So I think it's hilarious. Um, and so, and one of the doctors at the time, one of the, the doctors who worked at a clinic at Emory University in Atlanta came up to me after the keynote and said, you've got to put that in a book. That's a good, that's a good lesson for not just people with fragile X syndrome, but she goes, that's a, those are good lessons for every parent to hear. So that was very heartwarming to hear. And a couple of years later, um, um, she helped uh, turn it into a book uh, with a couple of the authors. And so that's that was, fantastic. oh, wow. It's very fun. Very that's fun. Inspirational. Very nice. Um, what a, what a fun story. So I'll just tell you about one other book. Again, maybe it's because I, yeah, I like to say I'm in the right place at the right time, but I had a, uh, there was a, there's a man, Fred Bowen, who writes books about sports in the Washington, D.C. area. And he had gone to a unified basketball game in Washington, D.C. and became enamored with one of the boys who was playing. He happened to have fragile X. Wow. And so he wanted to write a book he did write a book about that included a person with fragile X and he sent me an email and said, would you read my book and tell me if this sounds like someone with fragile X syndrome? And so again, I had what a great opportunity to read through and I read through the book and he would send me snippets and I would give a, I get, would just um, give some pieces of advice. Oh, maybe he might talk like this or he, his mannerisms might be like that. Again, trying to think, what does it, because, you know, again, the kids vary so much. How can I make it, how can I give you one description that would, that people would go, oh, yeah, that sounds like someone with fragile X syndrome. Uh, lovely book. The boy befriends this um, young man with fragile X syndrome, and 
It's a great story. It's, um, it's called Perfect Game. And I can send you some information on it. It's, you can buy it on Amazon. And I actually had a chance to meet Fred Bowen after we did the book. So that was very fun. Cool. Well, um, well we can put that link on our Instagram page too. So. Okay, great. Good. Well, um, tell us more about your work with the foundation. I know you wear a lot of different hats in the foundation and every single one is important. Um, driving this powerhouse forward. Um, what would you, you tell know, a new family the importance of maybe uh, getting involved with the foundation? Well, you know, I would, I, so I was just going to, you know, so part of my job at the foundation is to, uh, I take that, I, I receive the emails and phone calls that come into the foundation from new families. And so it's everything from some women who have, have are pregnant and just found out they're pre-mutation carriers to I've talked to women who are in their 80s who have sons in their 60s and they're all, you know, looking for advice and everything in between. Um, and um, so when a family calls me, I really try to feel where are, you know, you know, where are they right now? How are they handling, you know, this diagnosis? I want families to know that it's, um, it's hard to get a diagnosis. It's not something that you expect. You sometimes think that you never think that something like this is going to happen in your life, you know, unless you already have family members and then you might be a little, you know, you might suspect it. But that while it is hard, it's a, your life might be taking a different path than what you expected it to be. It's not, it, you know, like they say the, the uh, welcome to Holland. And so it's just a different path. It's not, it's not worse. It's, it might be harder. I think you have higher ups and you may have some lower lows, but you have some wonderful things before you and you gain an appreciation for things in life that you never would have gotten had you not had a, a child who learns differently and learns at their own pace. That's great. Thank you for that. I also, um, you know, I also remember a couple of years ago, um, a special education teacher for my son, who's 12 now, um, asked me, so what do you want your son to do? What should we be teaching him? And I honestly, I'm embarrassed. Like the guilt set in. I don't know what to say. Like I've never been down this road before. He's our only son. I have no one, you know, and I don't compare really. I mean, obviously you kind of do, but um, he has incredible gifts and talents, but yet he struggles in certain areas. So can we just maybe get him to brush his teeth? Well, we don't brush teeth at school. Uh, okay. Um, you know, just, okay. So I went to our private Facebook page for Fragile X mamas and dads. And so, hey, everybody that has an older child with Fragile X, an adult now, or even older than that, like <laughs> seniors. So what was most important? Looking back, what would you say is most important to focus on for your child to learn while they're in public school and what was a waste of time? Because all of us are fighting with school districts, it seems anymore, trying to get inclusion and trying to, you know, make sense out of what they are learning and 
fighting for what they aren't learning. But then our lack of confidence, knowing like really for me, I'm speaking of myself, what do I tell them? What should they be learning? And so it was really helpful. I got a ton of feedback and um, I used it. I made a list. So I think, you know, you were probably part of that <laughs> giving advice. And I just so appreciate parents that have paved the pathway ahead of us, um, like you being inspired to, you know, take inclusion to the next level, what it, what it meant to you, you know what I mean? And writing well, about it. Well, and you know, it was so, I mean, I remember, you know, it's, you know, one of the lessons I say that you learned is that you meet the nicest people. I mean, I've met some people who are so nice that I can't believe they're that nice. And, um, you know, I, because I've never met anybody that nice. And so one of those people were, was um, the freshman football coach at Ian's high school, took Ian under his wing, and Ian became the manager for the football team, for the freshman team. But it also exposed him to the JV team and the varsity team. But Ian helped out with that freshman football team for for almost for 15 years so they let him stay on as manager even after he left high school and if we weren't if we weren't in the middle of COVID now Ian would be was is still involved with the, the varsity team so that was one thing that when I saw Ian's interest I followed his interest mm -hmm. he loved football we made sure that it happened and he would still be going to football games right now if if it wasn't for COVID. He, he would still he's still welcome at the pre-game meals he rides the bus with the guys to the football games. And so that was really important for me for, to have Ian continue that all through high school, even though that, you know, you know, was it a life skill? Was it an IEP goal? No, but it was something that was so important to Ian. And I could just see that the, the, um, the other players took him under their wing and he, it was, I saw it as a way of mo uh, not really modeling, but uh, learning social skills. He, he, you can see, and yes, football players might not always be the best role models, but many of them were. Many of them were amazing. And so, you, you, you know, it, I left it kind of flexible. We did it, we focused a little bit on academics, a little bit on social skills, and um, a, a little bit on it, it just, it, it, on following his interests when, when we got to high school, knowing that we had his whole life ahead of him to learn other things like brushing your teeth. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. So um, did we talk about, about Fragile X Fred yet? Did we already talk about your book? Well, and that was the one that we did. That was based on the keynote that I did. The keynote. So okay. that, yeah, so the, the, the story that, um, you're never too old to wear a pink tutu is included in that book. Yes. Um, and I, there's another book coming out, I understand. Yeah. And, and so I'm not, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it's public knowledge yet, but I work with some other, I, one of the doctors asked me to um, contribute part of a chapter to a book. Yeah. And so hopefully that'll be out later this year, or early next year. Yeah. I'm hey, very Jane. Can I just ask you, um, 
what do you not do? <laughs> because <laughs> you wear <laughs> you wear so many hats, and I just think that um, you know not only Michelle and I appreciate everything that you do for the Fragile X community, but I know that other families listening are definitely going to. But I've just been sitting here this whole time, being like, man. What does she not do? Which, which is nothing. <laughs> uh, that's very nice of you to say that. But you know, I, um, um, it, it's, it, it was, um, you know, before I had Ian, I was working at a, a job. But it wasn't until it's funny how this is this became a passion for me, and I think it was because we went to the library, and there. Um, there was so little information that I never wanted another parent to experience that. Mm -hmm. And so now I feel like I've, um, I feel like I, you know, I spent a lot of time trying to figure Ian out, figure out the systems all the way through and that I can pay it back. I can pay it forward to families and, and, um, you know, don't worry. I take time to myself. I go for a walk every day. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, it's, um, I, and I spend time with Ian. I spend time with Ian every day, um, just because he slows me. He he's like, Mom. He'll be sitting on the front porch. Mom, come sit with me for a minute. And you know, it's kind. You, you have that. Oh, you know. Oh, I I need to go get dinner. Oh, I've got something else to do. And I sit down and sit in one of our rocking chairs on the front porch every day. And and that's mm -hmm. that's important to me too. And so it's right, uh, right. it's. You don't get those those times enough, right? So you have to take them when you can get them. You know, I heard a um, a newly diagnosed family that I uh, interviewed on a past uh, episode just say the most one of the most profound things, and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on uh, what she said, um, and. And if you kind of applied this to your own life with your own son, um, she said, you know, I've, I found that uh, once I started just focusing on my child, like child's life, just for the first, you know, six months at a time, just focusing on what do I need to do to help him get through the first six months of his life, then the next six months, and just not focus so much on, you know, that what they're going to, uh, you know, turn out to be like in their adulthood and how, um, how independent they're going to be, but, but rather just focus on those increments of time that are going to uh, help their child become that independent um, person by, you know, like I said, just taking those increments of time and just focusing on that. Do you feel like there's a lot of truth to that? Or did you, you know, apply that to your own, um, you know, parenting your son? Um, I just would love to hear your, your thoughts on that, because that's something that's been really profound to me. I would say absolutely. You actually, in some cases, you um, and depending on what's going on, sometimes you can only focus a day at a time, and sometimes a week at a time. And every and and so you you were it was you were always looking short term because you knew that was coming pretty quickly. Um, but you have to kind of keep in the back of your mind, or every now and then you think, okay. 
what kind of job do I think he might want in 10 years or 15 years, depending on how old he is. And, but I remember even when Ian was 10 years old, I didn't have any kind of idea what kind of job. I was so focused on getting him through high school because everyone had said high school was so challenging. And I was, so I was a little, um, it, it came with its own set of challenges, but you know, th some things like get, just getting him, um, uh, you know, kind of used to being in the community and watching people, you know, a job fell into our lap. And again, it, you know, being in the right place at the right time. But yeah, you focus on the, on the, on the what's right now, but with a, a few, with thoughts every now and then for 10 years and 20 years down the road. We did a, we did a webinar earlier this, late last year by, um, it was a family planner and he said what every family, it's funny that you say that. He said, what I recommend every family do is just in case something happens to them, write down what your child needs in the next year. You know, if you think about, you don't want to write down what you think your child's going to need in, in five years or 10 years. If something were to happen to you, what do you want people to know about the next year? And so that has stayed with me like it stayed with you that, oh, well, I feel like I need to tell somebody about 10 years down the road when I don't even know what that's going to be like. So, mm. yeah, it's a uh, focus on now with just a hint. You have to have a little hint of what might Absolutely. be happening. Absolutely. But yeah. 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 There's some really good planning pieces out there through um, some of the communities, the DD mm -hmm. communities like a trajectory planning, um, cycles of life, you know, yeah, you actually jot down on paper. So, well, and again, you know, to the point, you don't want to look so far ahead that you're not enjoying today. Right. I got stuck there. I did. And you know, you can't get that time back. But well, and it's, it's so easy to do because it really is part of just how part of it's just life. Everybody's going hundred miles an hour. And so it's, um, it, it's sometimes hard. You have to throw COVID on top of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now we're all really slowed down. Everybody's home and we're all, <laughs> and so. Yeah. Embracing each other, embracing family time. And because once, once we're through this and we're looking, you know, it's in the rear view mirror, we're going to be thinking, oh, I really liked being home. I really liked being with, you know, the family and now I'm back exactly. to the grind, you know. Well, yeah. Are we going to speed up even faster to make up for lost time? I don't know. I hope not. I hope a lot of people will, you know, remember these times. I think yeah. that's a choice. Absolutely. I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm liking this too much. <laughs> I know. I know. It is fun. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's not. You know, I think this time is definitely going to um, strengthen parents of fragile X children. You know, whether that's strengthening their their patience or their just flexibility with their child. I know that. Um, you know, if I was in their shoes, even just being a nanny for a typically developing kid. Um, you know, it's, it, it's hard to have that patience and that understanding sometimes. And so I think sometimes about how. Um, you know, this applies to 
uh, typically developing kids and non-typically developing kids of just how we have to meet our kids where they're at a lot of times and just remind ourselves that uh, we can't expect them to know what we want them to do. And, um, you know, I've talked with other Fragile X families about that and just how sometimes it can be difficult being a special needs parent to, um, you know, desire your child to do something, but they don't necessarily comprehend how to do it. And so it's that battle with patience and, and um, understanding. And so um, what would you say to to families on, on that about just um, how to go about um, strengthening their capacity to really um, handle those situations? Well, if I take it right that, you know, like if you're teaching them a new skill, for example, then, and I was, I started thinking of this just as you were talking, because I remember saying this to teach Ian's teachers, is to, um, you take a task, and you break it down into its, its, um, into some simple steps. But I used to always say, when you think that you've broken it down into simple steps, break it down even further. And so, um, and just know that, you know, it, you can do some trial and error. If you start to teach a skill and you think, oh, I'm moving too quickly, so then back up. It's, I mean, you, there's not a, um, it, you can adjust anytime you want to. Just because you head down one path doesn't mean you can't change your mind and back up and go, oh, I need to do this step. Um, you know, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, you know, maybe even, I'll, maybe I'll say emptying the dishwasher, for example. Um, and so I thought, oh, you know, I wanted him to empty the dishwasher. So he's watched me do the whole process, which is good. And then, and then I realized, oh, well, I kind of want certain glasses on certain shelves. And so how can I make, how can I make that happen? Do I need to put up pictures? Do I need to model it? And so it's, it's a, it's always a, a trial and error and t stepping back and thinking, okay, so because because soon enough your child will say i got this mom i got this i can do this now so like nathan pouring his parents a cup of coffee <laughs> exactly <laughs> i think if i'm correct that's something he picked up on his own i think to just kind of start doing that himself <laughs> he did he, and then he'll drink mine if i leave it on the counter <laughs> unattended it's like, I'm drink coffee. I'm like oh you're gonna drink mama's coffee yep but so he watched you guys model he watched you guys do that and he's i mean they don't miss a thing i mean yeah. they uh, they do not miss a, a thing and so he watched you do it and all of a sudden he's like i can do this we have to work on how much he puts in the cup and then walks <laughs> away and you know the dribble mess across hey, the but hey that's <laughs> It's yeah, like, and that's just the next step. And that, yeah, that I know, because Ian tends to pour just a tiny bit, and I'll say, "Oh, I, you can do a little bit more." And he's, "Oh, okay." And so it's, um, it's just getting comfortable with that. I think kids with fragile X, they also tend to hear everything, so they really, they really pick up on you know things like you know Michelle's son will be in the other room and we'll be having a conversation, and he'll just repeat certain words within our conversation and. Uh, then that's how you know that he's listening and it is just hilarious but also just so intriguing at the same time you know like he just 
he just says kind of in his own way, like, I can hear you. I'm listening. Yeah. And he has incredible hearing. So we really don't even need to get him a hearing test. Like, wow. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> We're good there. Check. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, they're super interesting kids. That's for sure. You know, they, um, um, they just, well, and I think, I think, you know, I think we've all seen this too. They have just that view of, they have a view of the world. They see a, a much kinder world. Yes. They, they, not, maybe not much kind. They see a very kind world. And, and um, you know, if we could all be, see that kindness uh, in people and not, and not, and not let the cynicism just, you know, seep in there and to say, you know, like what they do, what they say kind of thing. So, yeah. There are teachers. Yeah. That's, that's their work in this life. They're, they're here that, to teach. Sometimes I feel like they, they teach us more than we can teach them in, in a lot of ways, because, you know, like, like my cousin Nathan has taught me so much about patience and, uh, just so much about the importance of having joy in life, even when you may be, you know, going through something because, you know, like you were saying, um, they, they see the world in, in a view of kindness and, and they don't really see the negatives going on. And, and it's honestly such a gift, um, that they just get to be the examples of the attitudes that we should have, um, because they're so passionate, they're so caring and, um, they care, you know, they can sense when you're feeling down and, uh, they want to ask you, are you okay? You know, like I know Nathan has done that for me. If, if he senses I'm frustrated or Michelle, if she's frustrated, are you okay? You know, and, and I don't even do that with people as much as I should, you know, and he's very quick to do it. And um, so I, I very much admire those qualities and just uh, characteristics that individuals with Fragile X have, they're also very common and they want to serve you. And, um, you know, that's something that uh, not to take for granted um, and to just really, I feel like, enjoy um, and treasure, I think is the word I was really looking for. <laughs> but, you know, you're absolutely right. They can pick up on, on emotions faster than anyone I've ever seen yeah they walk into a room and they can tell they can they can check the tenor of the room very quickly um but I just wanted to add to that too that um I mean uh, Ian is such a nice person he's made me a nicer person he's made me a you know he's um Ian will take his money that he gets from work and he'll go buy a box of uh, like some granola bars or some power bars and keep them in the car. And if we ever pull up to a stoplight and there's um, a person standing there, I've always said we can't give him money. And so he keeps granola bars in the car just to give them food and maybe um, a bottle of water, sometimes water or a drug Gatorade. And um, I'm, he, he's, you know, I, I just, he does some things that are so nice that I'm not sure you know, that it makes me want to be nicer. I want to be a nicer person. So kinder. Right. Um, wow. <laughs> well, um, I would love, I don't know if we covered this already, but I would love for 
you to just um, talk about the ways that in your position with National on how you support families and help uh, families, whether that's newly diagnosed families and just, you know, what you offer as far as support, even now during, you know, the, the current circumstances with COVID. Well, and, and so, you know, again, you know, what I wanted to do was come up with all kinds of resources for families. And so when a family contacts me, you know, here's kind of my little strategy. It's a, um, you know, you know, they'll call me and they'll ask me, like, they might say, um, they'll ask me for some information on, um, on, we'll say maybe sensory processing in, in kids with fragile X syndrome. So what I try, so what I would do is I always try to answer their question in a very comprehensive way. And then I provide them what I think could possibly be their next question. And, you know, it's, um, here's some information, but I also want you to know that there's a Fragile X clinic and that there's a community support group and that we have, oh, and we have resources too, you know, for when your child gets into school or for, um, that, you know, that they might need for teachers. Um, and so I, I, you know, I try to gauge what families need and provide that information to it, plus a little bit extra. And we've got information, and I know we've worked and worked to try to get a Fragile X clinic up in your area, and we had one there many years. But, um, you know, we're still, and we'll continue to do that. We'll continue to work to, to get a clinic. Um, but, you know, I just, I want families to know that there's, and I tell families they can email me or call me and ask me anything they want, and I will get them that information. That's wonderful, yeah. James. Thank you for all you do. Thank you for your service to Fragile X families across the country and across the world. Um, I don't know how we could do this without you. So I know you're on a big team, and I we appreciate the team, but we've got you today, and we're so thankful that you're spending time with us and sharing your your books and sharing your your passion and your knowledge um well, your, thank you thank you thank you thank you guys for for having me and and for hosting this and um you're uh you know th this is wonderful for other families so um thank you for doing what you're doing we're all in this together yes yep. we are <laughs> we will great. We will post links for your your book um, on in our Talk FX Instagram page as well, right. and our Facebook page. We'll we'll just have all the info available. <laughs> Thank you, and people can contact me anytime. I want you to know that you can. Um, probably, you know, I don't always answer late at night, but um, <laughs> but I'll get to it first thing in the morning for sure. Uh, yeah, you can reach out to me anytime. So thank you. Uh, Be well, everybody. Be well. Thank you. For tuning in to Talk FX. We hope you've left this episode feeling encouraged and knowing you're not alone on this journey with Fragile X. It is our mission to provide resources, support, and encouragement to our listeners. Whether you are a mom of Fragile X children, a self-advocate, or a full mutation carrier, this podcast is for you. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Talk Fragile X. You can tune in to the latest episodes on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Music.